Hi, welcome to Antone Knows. I'm your host, Antone, and this is episode 19 of Antone Knows. That great theme song you just heard was by John Morenon and Michael O'Connor, so I've always wanted a theme song, so thanks again. Today we're going to start an epic. We're going to talk about the classic years of Doctor Who. We're going to go right from the very beginning all the way to when Sylvester McCoy became the Doctor. We'll do the uh, new Doctors later on in some other period, but... This is my favorite science fiction show ever. It, uh, it's probably the most unique, different, and interesting thing of, uh, that has ever been done with science fiction. Never heard of Doctor Who? This is what the, the premise is. A time traveler takes people in a police box that is shaped uh, like a police box and really is a spaceship. And it travels from time and space to anywhere in the universe. And they said, think C.S. Lewis meets The Wizard of Oz. And that's basically what, what it was. Now, how would anyone come up with such a concept or give you such a brilliant idea? And if you presented this idea to anyone, they would say, that sounds crazy. How are you going to do that? It's like this, okay? Sidney Newman, that name is important, he's sort of Doctor Who's grandfather. He came up with the Avengers, but not the Avengers that you and I would know. He came up with Steed and Emma Peel. Spies were very popular at that time, so he came up with this idea about a group of super spies who use all kinds of gadgets and weapons, and they shot it the first couple of episodes live, if you can believe that. So he came up with this idea called Doctor Who, about this mysterious character who travels around in time and space, and he believed that kids should learn something at home, and that they also should have fantastic adventures. So... What I could recommend wholeheartedly if you're a Doctor Who fan and you want to know about the early years of Doctor Who, definitely get your hands on the adventures in time and space. It talks about all about the early years in a dramatic presentation and it talks about Sidney Newman and it talks about Verapy Lampert, this first female producer ever for the BBC and she was a genius. She's the one who got us William Hartnell, who we're going to talk about today. So if you want to know more about that, I would say watch this. Now, we're not going to go through the missing episodes because they're still missing. But you can see them and can hear them through fans who have recorded them on audio. So the BBC has released them on CD. Or you can get a DVD set called uh, Lost in Time. It has all the episodes that are missing. Now, you want to call yourself a Doctor Who fan? You really do? Well, then I suggest you do this. Once in your life, you should get the box set. It's called The Beginnings. And see the first three episodes. An Unearthly Child. The Daleks. Or The Dead Planet. Or The Edge of Dis- and The Edge of Destruction. Why? Because 
Those are the early beginnings of those series. The first episode actually has two pilots. This premiered in 1963, Kennedy's assassination. So if this wasn't in America, we would never have seen this because they would have been too busy talking about the news that happened with Kennedy. If you watch the DVD set, they actually show uh, broadcast the original announcer that talks about the, the assassination, and then he just throws it to this new program and says, and now a new program, Doctor Who. So those three episodes, the best of three, of course, is the one that everybody talks about, the dead planet or the Daleks. Terry Nation, the genius that he was, gave us this wonderful episode about these uh, creatures called the Daleks. They used to be called uh, the... Uh, I've forgotten how, what their name was. I'll, I'll look that up later. The Caleds. The Caleds and the Thals. And uh, it had a lot of ideas that had happened just after World War II. The Caleds became the Daleks, these creatures that have hidden themselves inside metal shells because radiation and nuclear war have devastated their planet. The Thals still live in the jungle and have somehow survived and, and have developed a drug that helps them. The Doctor and his companions land on this planet and the Doctor kind of uh, unscrupulously lets them so they can explore the city. Now, if this plot sounds familiar to you, because he says, didn't they do a movie like that called Doctor Who and the Daleks? Yes, they did. But that was many years after that, and that was done in color, and that's with the great precursion. And he calls himself Doctor Who. He never just says, I'm the Doctor. He says, I'm Doctor Who. So, and Hartnell eventually establishes his character and it really defines him and basically makes him that character. But uh, the first couple of episodes, uh, the uh, the uh, first one, Unearthly Child and the Daleks, he's kind of a little unscrupulous, a little mean. Not a nice guy. Ian is more or less the hero character that we kind of are pressed to believe. The Doctor's a little too mysterious at first. Every Destruction's an episode about they're trapped inside the TARDIS and all kinds of crazy things happen. The reason that was because they couldn't afford to shoot anything else, so they said, well, we have the TARDIS set, we'll use that. The Doctor brings along Ian and Barbara to, to high school teachers and his mysterious uh, granddaughter, Susan. Uh, we go all over time and space. Now, many of the episodes are missing, so right to it, episode seven, The Keys to Marinus, a, a, a quest episode. The Doctor and his companions are sent all over this planet into different locations, different areas, using these different watches, and there's sort of these rubber, strange aliens running around, and they have to find each of these keys. And eventually they do. It's an epic story, but it's pretty good. It's worth a watch once in a while. 
uh, one of my favorite history stories, next to Marco Polo, which is unfortunately one of the ones is missing, but you can listen to it, is the Aztecs. The Aztecs has one of the best quotes in Doctor Who. You cannot rewrite history, Barbara. Not one line. Believe me, I've tried. The TARDIS gets trapped inside a tomb, and in order to get back inside, everyone thinks that Barbara is the reincarnated of this princess. So she has to prove to them that she is them. So the doctor eventually even kind of gets engaged to this young girl. This Well, she's not young. She's around the doctor's age to get uh, the uh, to get inside this tomb. But Barbara at first wants to convince the people of the Aztec nations to abandon their ideas about sacrifice so when Cortez comes to invade them, their civilization won't be destroyed. It doesn't quite work out. As the doctor says, you can't do it. No matter what you want to try, you can't. The next is the Sensorites. The Sensorites, what a great episode. Mysterious aliens, who you think are the bad guys, turn out to be not so bad after all. There are some bad ones here and there. But mainly it's an anti-war story about a group of humans that are playing war and think that they're the good guys when really they're the bad guys. Another really good quote from Hartnell, that sounds like a threat. I don't make threats, the doctor says, but I do make promises. Another history story, the leader of Terra, is about the hostile times during the French Revolution. Take it or leave it. It's a good story, but it's not great. Sidney Newman's, one of his favorites, was called The Planet of Giants. Think uh, Gulliver's Travels, where he's small and everyone's big. So now the TARDIS is small, and even ants can be hostile creatures. Is it a great episode? It's not that great. But if you're a completist like me, and you want that, you can have it. After that is the Dallas Invasion of Earth. You're not a Doctor Who fan if you've never seen this. Again, they made this into a movie with Peter Cushing, except they made it a little different. Instead of Barbara, Ian, and uh, Susan, they had it be Barbara, Susan, and a police officer joins them. So in this story, the Doctor and friends think they're back on Earth and everything's okay. No, turns out they're hundreds of years into the future. And the Daleks have come to Earth. Uh, companions leave. And companions uh, come. And. Uh-oh. But that's the way the ball bounces. The uh, next group of episodes... Let me get my ducks in a row here, unfortunately. Bear with me. Next episodes are pretty good. 
the episodes after that, uh, Barbara and Ian eventually leave Doctor Who completely. But uh, there's the Web Planet. Web Planet is another weird episode, probably one of the weirdest in Doctor Who, where insects rule. Giant uh, creatures. Some are butterflies. Some are giant ants. Uh, It's very weird. And if you look at it now on DVD, you'll see all the little accidents that they've had over the years. It's It's very, very, very strange. Uh, after that is the Space Museum. Boy, is that weird. Now, uh, Susan has eventually left us by then. She leaves in Dalek's invasion of Earth because the doctor feels that, and he's got this big, tearful goodbye, and he says to her, he goes, one day I shall come back. And he tells her that, he goes, you can put down those roots, and you can live with this uh, young man, and you can live... Uh, the Daleks are gone, and you can uh, eventually help rebuild civilization. So she stays. Uh, so Barbara and Ian eventually leave Doctor Who with this, with the Space Museum and the Chase. The Space Museum, we run into a group of aliens. The Doctor finds out that uh, they find humans, Barbara, Ian, and the Doctor are now exhibits in a museum. And they don't know how they how uh, they got them. And they, they're not robots, they're not clones, they're them. And they have to kind of figure out this dilemma. And the other is called the Chase. The Chase, the Daleks invent their own TARDIS and chase the Doctor and his companions throughout time and space. Uh, we also get cameos by Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Beatles. They were originally supposed to be in this episode, but the their uh, producer said, "No, we don't have time to appear on Doctor Who. We, uh, but they could use a scene from a thing called Top of the Pops, where they appeared on uh, BBC TV. So they just used a clip from them." After that is The Rescue, and uh, that's okay. It's not a great episode. And then after that is The Romans. The Romans is about a uh, another history story where we run into uh, all kinds of different uh, aliens. Then the, the, the Time Meddler. This, I think, was the forerunner to one of the Doctor's ancient enemies, The Master. So think about it, the doctor, uh, uh, this one fellow that's with them, doesn't believe that they're traveled back in time and space. And he shows him a, a Viking helmet, and he says, that can't be a, Vi- a real Viking helmet. So this time meddler guy who's dressed as a monk, he's, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't want the uh, Vikings to invade, and he doesn't want civilization to kind of progress for some reason. He wants to interfere with English history. So the doctor eventually stops him. It's worth a watch. If you like the history stories, it's really worth a watch. Ah, yes, The Ark. The Ark is probably one of the best episodes they've done. And unfortunately, I have to tell you that uh, as of this uh, podcast, uh, the girl who played Dodo just recently passed away. So it's very, very sad. Uh, So in this episode... We find the human civilization and these creatures called monoliths, or monoliths, 
are these one-eyed big creatures. They're used as servants. And humanity has kind of fled to this ark along with everything that we've had in civilization. Animals, everything we've other done. They've kind of done this later on in Doctor Who too. So unfortunately, Dodo gets a cold and the cold becomes lethal throughout the ark because they're not used to human diseases. They've been sterilized for so long. So the doctor tries to find a cure. He does. But when they uh, eventually go to the TARDIS and then come back to see, check on their progress and find that the monoliths have taken control of the ark and humans are now just the servants. So there's lots of problems. Uh, and probably one of the worst stories of Doctor Who ever, the gunfighters. Try to imagine a bunch of English actors trying to act like cowboys with bad, bad accents. And the war machines. The war machines is one of the last uh, uh, Hartnells that they have that they uh, uh, had before that. Uh, computers are uh, taking over people's minds by using hypnosis. They take over uh, Dodo's mind. She eventually leaves in this story, and Polly and Ben join the doctor. Hartnell was very ill during this time, and this is one of the reasons why he eventually left. Okay. Giant machines are now uh, hostile in London and are attacking everything in their path. Okay? And in this, it's uh, crazy. But what's interesting is that the computer says Doctor Who is required. So I always remember that ominous voice uh, going over. It's worth a watch. And the Tenth Planet. Tenth Planet's last Hartnell story. Uh, if you watch Adventures in Time and Space, they talk about how Hartnell was very ill and he really didn't want to give up the role of Doctor Who. He wanted to keep going on forever, he felt. And he said, I'm, I'm a cross between Father Christmas and the Wizard of Oz. Why, why give it up? But he knew he had to and passed the torch to someone else. The man they chose... Hartnell said, if there was any man in England that they could have picked, it was him. And it has one of my favorite villains of all time in Doctor Who, the Cybermen. Ah, one of Hartnell's best quotes. Emotion, love, pride, hate, fear. Have you no emotions? On the distant planet Mondas, a group of, of humanoid beings who are, uh, the planet is a twin planet to ours. They uh, have become so polluted and so uh, problems that they had to invent suits in order to survive. And then eventually, even their minds. So they have uh, replaced everything. Since they didn't have to worry about fear anymore, they decided that they're going to make everyone just like them. That... Uh, episode as we get towards the end of it, collapse where the Cybermen kind of collapse and crumble into nothingness is pretty uh, nasty and scary, and it adds an eeriness to that black and white idea of what they are. Now they look a little silly, I'll admit. They do look like with these big chests and these big lights on their head, but 
as time went along, they've redesigned them many, many times. Hartnell leaves, he regenerates, and uh, the next man to take over, it's a, probably one of everyone, a lot of people's favorites, is Patrick Troughton. I got to get back to my TARDIS and go on another adventure in time and space, but next time on Anton Knows, we'll talk about Patrick Troughton's era. <laughs> 